morning. It is good to see you. If you have a Bible, go ahead and meet me in John chapter 1. John chapter 1 is where we'll be together this morning. And we're going to look at verse 3, but we're going to read the first five verses of John chapter 1 together here in just a minute. Uh, and just by way of introduction, if you're new with us, man, we are glad that you are here today. We are glad that you've chosen to worship with us this morning. It's always our prayer uh, that Sundays are a blessing uh, for you and for us. And so we hope that you feel loved at Central and we hope uh, that you leave here blessed uh, and you leave here seeing a clear picture of who Jesus is and what he is like. Uh, one of my favorite things about Central is the way that our church loves to serve, not just serve one another, but serve our community as well. Many of you know that right now we are in this season that we call Multiply, where we uh, have a Multiply board out there, and our goal is to multiply serving opportunities across our community. And we put that board out for the first time two weeks ago, and uh, it was completely filled up. All of the opportunities to serve uh, were taken up or fulfilled on that week. And we had some coming to us and saying, hey, uh, we would like to be able to serve. We, we, would, uh, we didn't get a chance to make it to the board. Or some said, hey, we like that so much, we would like to do some more. And so there are some new serving opportunities on the Multiply board right out here on the right side of our lobby. So if you didn't get a chance uh, to check that out, make sure that you stop by and see what opportunities the Lord might open for you uh, there. Well, John chapter 1 uh, is where we are this morning. You know, I, I almost named this series Jesus Jesus is. Uh, because really through each of these verses in John 1, we see a new picture of who Jesus is and what he is like. One, uh, one author, he said that John chapter 1 is really John taking a diamond and just spinning it different ways and showing us different sides of, of the beauty that is the glory of Jesus Christ. And so last week we saw that Jesus is the glorious Son of God who's worthy of our worship. This week, uh, we see this, that Jesus is the reason for everything. That Jesus is the reason for everything. Last week, one of the things that we said, one of the things that we acknowledge is that Jesus isn't just the reason for this season. Jesus is the reason for every season. And we see here in verse 3 a little more clearly that Jesus really is the reason for everything. So look with me here at John chapter 1. We're going to read these first five verses of John 1, and we're going to focus our time on verse 3. So I'm going to invite you to stand as we honor the reading of God's perfect and precious word about God's perfect and precious word. So here in verse 1, the Spirit says to us this, In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This is God's word. You can be seated. Would you go to the Lord in prayer with me this morning? Father, we, we are grateful today for Jesus. Father, we, we are grateful for the advent of Christ, the coming of Christ. Father, we are grateful for the death and the resurrection of Christ. And Lord, we look forward to the return of Christ. And so, Father, we, we pray this morning that you would, you would give us a clear and an accurate picture of who Jesus is. And Father, we, we pray this and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Well, Jesus really is the reason for everything. And here in John 3, and really, we're going to look at a couple of other places from the New Testament. We're going to see what this means and how this works out. And so first we see this, is that God created everything through Jesus. That God created everything through Jesus. Now, John 1 takes us back to the beginning. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And it, it doesn't just take us back to the beginning of time, but it takes us past that, right? That, that Jesus w- wasn't just suddenly there or wasn't suddenly created at the beginning, but Jesus was already existing. And what we see here in verse 3 is that Jesus wasn't just a witness to creation. Jesus was active in creation. Jesus is what theologians call the agent of creation, that God the Father spoke and God the Son, his word, did. He he acted, he created. So look here at verse three. He says, all things were made through him. It's a simple enough statement that everything begins with Jesus. There's nothing that did not begin with him. He says here in verse three, all things were made through him. That all things, that is everything. There is nothing in all of creation that did not begin with Jesus. And in verse 3, really what John is doing is he's saying the same thing, but he's saying it in two different ways. He starts with kind of the positive, that all things were made through him, and then he states it negatively. Now, when we say he states it negatively, we're not saying that like he's a curmudgeon about it, but instead that he's showing us it a different way. He says, without him was not anything made that was made. It's almost as if John is saying, look, everything began with Jesus, and just in case you don't get it, there wasn't anything that didn't begin with Jesus. There's nothing that didn't start with Jesus. And if you take this and you put it together with the rest of Scripture, what we see is that creation is really a Trinitarian work. Creation is the Trinity at work, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That God the Father spoke... And his word, Jesus Christ, God the Son, did the work. God, he always creates by speaking. And John shows us that the word that he speaks is Jesus. That whenever we speak, we're communicating. When God speaks, he's communicating. And the way he has communicated is more than just in words and phrases. The way that God has communicated is in Jesus Christ. He's the agent of creation. The the Father decrees and the Son does. We think about this, what we see is we see the power of Jesus at work. See, the, the greatest need that you and I have this morning is this, is that we would have an accurate picture of Jesus. I can think of nothing more dangerous than to leave this place this morning and having a wrong idea of who Jesus is having a wrong picture of what Jesus is like. See, Jesus is powerful enough to create everything out of nothing. I'm not even powerful enough to put Ikea furniture together with an instruction manual, right? I get angry halfway through it. I throw the instructions out and I just know I'm gonna have leftover pieces at the end. But understand when Jesus created, he did not need a kit, When Jesus created, he didn't need an instruction manual. When when Jesus created, he didn't need any help. No, when Jesus created, he stepped out into nothing. He looked at nothing and he created everything. And how did he create? He spoke, 
right? He spoke what the Father had told him to say. This is the same way that Jesus works today. Jesus does not need your help or my help to be powerful. He simply is. He's powerful. See, Jesus continues to work in the world that he created. And what's amazing is he works through his people. He works through us. But what's even more amazing is that Jesus, he's not looking for the person with talent. He's not looking for the person with skill. He's not looking for the person with know-how. No, he's looking for the unlikely. He's looking for the unexpected. In 1 Corinthians 1 and 2, Paul, Paul paints this picture of how the Lord has decided to work in the world. And he, he quotes from Isaiah 29, 14. And if you go back to Isaiah 29, 14, it says this. It says, therefore, behold, this is God speaking, I will again do wonderful things with this people, with wonder upon wonder. He's going to do wonderful things. And the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the discernment of their discerning men shall be hidden. Paul would go on to say in 1 Corinthians 1 and 2, he says that God uses the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He uses the foolish things of the world to bring to nothing the wise. See, understand this, that when Jesus works in the world, he's not looking for people who can. He's looking for people who can't. Yesterday, it came out that Shohei Otani is going to be the highest paid athlete in America ever. $700 million over 10 years. I would do it for half, right? <laughs> but they're not looking for me, right? They're looking for the one who can. They're looking for the one who it makes sense. They're looking for the strong one. That's not how Jesus works. Jesus is not looking for a bunch of Shohei Otanis because Jesus is a Braves fan, right? Number one. But, but Jesus is, he's not looking for a bunch of people who are strong and who are powerful and who have it all together. Jesus is looking for those who know they don't have it all together, who know that they are not able, who know that they are not wise, who know that they are not strong. Jesus is looking for the people who are saying, Jesus, if this is gonna happen, if you're gonna use me, it's gonna have to be all of you and none of me. Right, I am just going to have to be the vessel. Now, for many, for many people, even in this room right now, Christmas is not a time of celebrating, is it? For many people in this room, the holidays are a, a time for pain, a, a reminder of what's not or of what's been lost. Maybe when you see a, a Christmas tree or Christmas lights or think about gathering with family, then you, you feel that pain of a, a lost loved one. Maybe when you, you think about family gatherings, you think about strained relationships. Maybe Christmas is a reminder for you of what you thought your life would look like it doesn't. Maybe even this morning, you, you feel like you, you don't have it all together, that you, you can't keep going. You don't have it in you that you can't do another Christmas season. You can't do another Christmas day. You can't do another Christmas hour or another Christmas minute. You just don't have anything left to give. 
So how could Jesus use you? Well, know this. If that's you, you're the perfect candidate to see Jesus work in your life. He, he doesn't come to those who have it all together. He doesn't come to those who, who make it look okay. He doesn't, he doesn't come to those who seem to check all the boxes. No, he comes to people. He comes to places. He comes to situations where his power and his grace can be magnified. That's where Jesus comes. If you need evidence of this, well, just look at the Christmas story. Jesus wasn't born into power or privilege. He wasn't even born in an influential city. He was born to a virgin girl in a stable surrounded not by great expectations and the best physicians that money could buy. He was born into a stable, into a mess, not surrounded by any of those things, but surrounded by donkeys and sheep and chickens. He... he, came to a place of no renown, no expectation. He came to a place that didn't make sense in a way that didn't make sense to parents that didn't make sense. And this was the way that he would save the world. God chose the weak, the unable, the small to magnify his power. You you might feel like there is no way that God could use you for anything that you have messed up, you are broken, all of these things. You might feel like there's no way God wants anything to do with you. Understand this, that you are the perfect candidate to see the power of Jesus. Could you be where you are so that you can see God do what you otherwise would not have noticed? It's easy to long for what other people have, isn't it? Especially at Christmas. We wish that we could be like that family over there, that family over there, they look like they have it all together. Uh, I wish that I could give my kids more presents. I wish that I had kids to give presents to. Uh, I wish that my family looked like this or my situation looked like that. Let's remind you of two things. Number one, that family that you're comparing yourself to, they are just as broken and in need of just as much grace as you are. And maybe you're that family. Maybe you feel like things are going really well for you right now. Maybe you just got a Christmas bonus and it wasn't the Jelly of the Month Club. And you're feeling like, again, I can put the pool in. Maybe you feel like everything is just going so wonderful in your life right now. Kids are happy. Kids are healthy. I would just remind you that that doesn't mean that you are any less need of God's grace today. That doesn't mean that you are any, in any less need of God's power today. In fact, it may be that you need more. And so if you're tempted to compare yourself to others. Remember that those we compare ourselves to are just as broken as we are. But remember this that God has you where he has you to do a work that you otherwise would not see. So if you feel burdened, remember this. If you, you feel like right now, you just can't keep going. You feel like right now, you don't have it in you. You don't know what to do. You don't know where to go. You, you just know you, you can't keep doing what you're doing. Remember this, that if you feel burdened, Jesus is working. Right? Jesus is doing something. That Jesus is, 
is powerful enough to create out of nothing. Jesus is powerful enough to rise from the grave, which means that Jesus is powerful enough, as God's word says, to make beauty from ashes. Right? Jesus makes ugly things beautiful. My dad used to talk about the place that he would get his hair cut, and he would say, yeah, they, they could turn a bulldog into a poodle, right? Jesus is better than that. Right? Jesus can turn the ugly and the broken and the sad and the unlovely into wonderful and beautiful and lovely. And he does it in ways typically that we don't understand. He, he does it in ways typically that we don't expect, but you know what he does? He always does it. He either does it now or he does it later, but he always does it. See, God created everything through Jesus. But here's the wonderful thing about Jesus. Jesus doesn't just create, he sustains. So you see that God created everything through Jesus. Next we see this is that God sustains everything through Jesus. Throughout the New Testament, God's activity of creating everything through Jesus is linked with his activity of sustaining everything through Jesus. Jesus doesn't just create the world, he sustains the world. You know, growing up, I, I would get, and we've bought them for our boys too, these, these tops that they have these kind of pull cords, you pull them and they spin. And you don't know where they're gonna go, they kind of go all kinds of crazy and you can fight, uh, you can fight them together, different things like that. I think sometimes we, we think that God created like that top and the world is spinning and where it's gonna go, nobody knows. How long it's going to go, nobody knows. How, how it's going to happen, nobody knows. But here's the thing, Jesus knows. See, God didn't just create. He didn't just create everything, start spinning the world and let it go. No, he created and he holds it all together. He, he sustains everything. There's two places in the New Testament that we, we see Jesus creating and sustaining. First, Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 1 verses 16 and 17 say this, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. So everything, the physical, the spiritual, everything was created by Jesus. All things were created through him and for him. And listen to verse 17. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. I just, are, are you part of the all things? Well, if you are, then Jesus is holding you together. Right? If, if you're part of the all things, which if you need help, you are, Jesus is holding you together right now. In Colossians 1, it's this, this hymn that Paul is writing. It stresses the, the preeminence of Christ and it shows that everything was created and sustained by Jesus. There's a second place we see this in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. The writer of Hebrews says, he being Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So in Colossians 1, we see that Jesus is upholding everything. Hebrews 1, how is he doing it? Simply by speaking. Simply by the word of his power. I can't even get my dog to come back when I call his name. But Jesus has said the world will go simply because I said it would. That, that Jesus isn't wondering what's going to happen tomorrow. Jesus isn't wondering what's going to happen this afternoon. It, 
Jesus is just simply controlling and sustaining. He's not caught off guard. He's not surprised. He's not overwhelmed. He's controlling and sustaining. How does he do it? He just speaks by the word of his power. He just speaks and he controls and he sustains. Now what we see in John chapter 1, what we see in Colossians 1, and what we see in Hebrews 1 is this, is that you cannot have too high a view of Jesus. The danger is not that our thoughts would be too high. The danger is that our thoughts of Jesus would be too low. So our understanding of who Jesus is, it must be shaped by the Bible, not shaped by all of these other things. Sometimes we shape our understanding of of who Jesus is based on what we hear other people say. But our understanding of who Jesus is has to be shaped by the Bible. Sometimes we, we shape our understanding of who Jesus is based on things that we see. Well, I've seen this TV show or I've seen that movie or I've seen this or that, so that must be what Jesus is like. Sometimes we, we shape our understanding of who Jesus is based on what we think and what we feel. That's probably the most dangerous one. It's a dangerous thing to see something about Jesus in Scripture and say, my God wouldn't do that. My God wouldn't be like that. Well, maybe it's because you are your own God. And the picture of Jesus in the Bible is that he is a better God than you. He is a better God than me. The Bible's picture of Jesus is one who is the creator is one who is the sustainer, is one who is mighty and high and lifted up and worthy of glory. That he's the one that demands and deserves our allegiance and that he's the one who is holding the world together. And this is good news for us because there is freedom in knowing that Jesus is sustaining the world. Whether you believe it, whether you see it or not, your world is not sustained by you. If we try to uphold our world, it will crash down. But Jesus invites us to trust that he is able to sustain our world. There's freedom here because some of us run ragged trying to sustain our world. Some of us run ragged trying to hold our world together. You know, just like Pastor Reed said a few minutes ago, I can't believe that it's already December, 2023. It feels like it was just December, 2013, yesterday. We run and we run and we run and we understand that life moves fast. And we run ourselves crazy trying to hold it all together. I've gotta be a good enough parent We could just take and spend an hour on what does it mean to be a good enough parent? Well, it means that my kids, when I pack their lunch, it has to be a nutritious lunch, but also like there's got to be something that tastes good in there so that they'll be happy and so that the other kids will be jealous. And and then when they get home, they've got to do their homework, but then I I need to be good. I need to play with them and and then, then they need to do the chores and they need to do this and they need to do that. And I need to read my Bible with them. I need to read their Bible with them. I I need to save them. You can't save your kids. Maybe you think I'm running crazy because 
If I don't, my husband won't love me. My wife won't love me. I've got I've to make enough money. I've, I've got to try hard enough. I've got to do enough to earn their love. I, I've got to work hard, otherwise I'm going to lose my job. I've got to work hard enough, I'm going to lose my, my child. I'm going to lose my husband or my wife. Maybe you think things like this, well, if I don't do this, then who will? If I don't take care of this, then what's going to happen? I think not all the time, but a lot of times, saying things like that is because we're trying to live up to unreal expectations that we have placed on ourselves or that we perceive others have placed on us. And when we do that, we're trying to be what only Jesus can be. Now, this is not an excuse for laziness. This is not an excuse for abdicating responsibility. Instead, this is a call to understanding the role and the responsibilities that God has given to you. You know, I'm convinced that when the Bible says that Satan is crafty, it's true. I think that's a good habit to have. The Bible says it, we should believe it. And I think one of the great tools that Satan uses is busyness. Whether it's perceived or actual busyness, but busyness. We stay busy doing this and we stay busy doing that only to realize that the urgent has replaced the important. Can I, can I just be honest with you? This is where I am right now. This is where my family is right now. And it's on me that we have allowed really good things to crowd out the important things. We have let what feels so urgent but is really pointless take over our lives. What happens when we do that is our priorities become confused. How different would your life look if Jesus set the priorities? And we all want to say, well, Jesus does set the priorities of my life. But at least what I do is I take my priorities and I baptize them in Christian speak and I make them Jesus's priorities. I did. Well, the Lord's opened this door and I need to walk through it because I want to be faithful to the door that the Lord has opened. You know, a lot of times opportunities are distractions in disguise. All right, that I'm... I've got to walk through this door. I've got to do this. I've, I've got to do that. But when we confess that Jesus is the sustainer of our lives and of our world, here's what we're doing. We're inviting him to set our priorities. It means that we don't live as if it all depends on us because it doesn't. It all depends on Jesus. We're, we're free to give up control and trust that the agenda that Jesus is setting for our lives is the right agenda. That if we have trusted Christ, then the, the first, our first responsibility, our first priority is to abide in him. If by his grace he has given us a husband or a wife, then our next priority is to husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. And Christ to follow your husbands as the church follows Jesus. If they've given us, if God has been so gracious and so kind as to give us kids, that we understand the responsibility that that is, that we we seek to make disciples of our kids to help them love Jesus, but we understand that we can't save them, Jesus must. 
Parents, your responsibility with your kids is not to make them the next Shohei Otani or the next Michael Jordan or the next Tim Tebow or the next this person or that person. Your responsibility for your kids is not to make sure that they get good enough grades so that they could get into Harvard or so that they could get into whatever college it may be. Your responsibility with your kids is to help them make it to heaven. One day we will stand before the Father and he's not going to ask, what was the rookie baseball average and how many bases did he steal in third grade? He's not going to ask, what was the GPA in elementary school? He's not going to ask you, did you study long enough? Did you try hard enough? No, he's going to ask you, were you faithful? Were you faithful? And I think that we should help our kids succeed in school I would love it for my kid to make $700 million over 10 years. I would retire, right? Uh, But the goal is that they would love Jesus. And maybe you feel weight on that. Man, I've got to be a good parent. I've got to be a good Christian. I've got to be a good this. I've got to be a good that. Some of the best parenting advice I ever got was if you want your kids to love Jesus, well, then you love Jesus and have fun with your kids. If you love Jesus and you have fun with your kids, the Lord will take care of the rest. You know, if someone looked at your calendar, would they know that you follow Jesus? It might be a strange question to ask. Well, how would, how would my calendar reveal whether or not I follow Jesus? Well, Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I can't think of a greater treasure that we have than time. You can make more money. You can't get time back. If I, if I opened up the calendar on my phone for you to see today, you would see all kinds of colors and bubbles and all, all kinds of things going on. It, I, I live or die by that calendar. If it's not on there, it's not happening. And other people, they have access. They can put things on, onto my calendar. Anna can put things onto my calendar. Those are the only good things, right? The, uh, People here at the church can put things onto my calendar so that I don't miss this or so that I I don't miss that. Sometimes I I look at my calendar and I feel overwhelmed. Everything looks so urgent and so mandatory and so weighty. And I sometimes I look at my calendar and I think, why did I say yes to this? Why am I doing that? What's going on here? It feels crushing. Here's some good news for us today is that Jesus never gets overwhelmed. He can sustain the world and never break a sweat. There's freedom in knowing that you don't have to be the savior of your calendar. You don't have to be the savior for anyone else because Jesus already is. And so instead of of trying to be everywhere for everyone, for everything, maybe we should just stop and be with Jesus. Maybe we should just stop and ask him, Lord, what would you have me to do? We leave everything else with him. Maybe before we say yes to things, we pray, Lord, would you have us do this? Would you have me do this right now? Before we say yes to that commitment, Lord, I know that's going to be a long commitment. Would you have me say yes to that right now? Can I be a faithful steward of what you've entrusted me with if I, if I say yes to this? Or is it going to, to get in my way? See, you don't have to sustain your world yourself. Jesus is already sustaining your world and he's doing a better job of it than you are. Instead, This truth that Jesus is the reason for everything, that he created everything and that he sustains everything, this truth is an invitation 
to rest in his love and in his care for you. And I think a lot of us struggle to believe that Jesus loves us. The harder struggle, though, is to believe that Jesus likes us. To believe that he enjoys us. And to believe that he really does care about us and he really does care for us. And when we stop and we remember that Jesus is sustaining, Jesus is controlling, Jesus is doing it, he's loving us, him sustaining our world is an act of his love. If Jesus was willing to die on the cross for us, what the Bible says, for the joy set before him, if Jesus is willing to endure the cross for the joy set before him, do you think that he is going to let your world come crashing down? The only reason he would is if it is for your good. Sometimes, our world does need to come crashing down. Because when our world comes crashing down, we find that Jesus is still there, Jesus is still good, and Jesus is still worthy. But even in that moment, Jesus is sustaining, Jesus is working, Jesus is acting. He's the reason for everything. And so I wonder this morning, what is it that Jesus is calling you to trust him with? To put it another way, what is it that Jesus is calling you to let go of? What is it that Jesus is calling you to believe and to practice his sustaining presence in your life? What is it that is overwhelming you that you don't need to be overwhelmed by? If you don't know, you're struggling to figure out what, what is it that I need to let go of. Husbands, ask your wives. Wives, ask your husbands. Kids, ask your parents. Maybe parents, ask your kids. Because I guarantee you they have an idea. What is it that you need to let go of and you just need to practice the belief that Jesus is the sustainer? that you need to encounter, you need to see that Jesus is the sustainer. For, for some of us, what we need to let go of is trying to save ourselves. For, for some of us, for too long, we've been trying to be our own savior. Maybe you might think, well, I know that God created everything and Jesus sustains everything, but I've got to save myself. I've got to be good enough. I've got to try hard enough. I've got to be strong enough. I've got to do all of these things. Here's the beauty and the wonder of Christmas. Jesus created everything. He sustains everything. And he came to us to die for us so that we would be saved. The creator of the universe became like us so that he could die in our place, taking our penalty for our sin that we have committed. He takes it to the cross, buries it in the grave, and then rises three days later. And so some of you, you need to stop trying to save yourself and you need to trust in Jesus. For some of us, and I think Christians are, are susceptible to this as well, maybe it's not that we're trying to save ourselves, but we think someone else can. We're not trying to sustain ourselves, but we sustain our world, but we think that someone else can sustain our world. No president is going to sustain your world. No 
no boss, no husband, no wife, no child, no anyone. That's Jesus' job. Jesus sustains. Maybe right now you just, you feel beaten down. You feel broken and you, maybe you're recognizing I've been trying to sustain myself and I can't. Or maybe you feel like the reason Jesus isn't gonna sustain you is because you're not worthy. You feel like, oh, Jesus couldn't love me. Jesus couldn't love someone like me. I'm unfaithful. Even Jesus isn't gonna love someone like me. You don't know what I did last night. You don't know what I did yesterday. You don't know what I did this week or this month or, or this year. You don't know what my past looks like. There's no way Jesus is gonna work for me. There's no way Jesus is gonna show up for me. Well, the promise of the gospel is that's exactly who Jesus has come for. That's exactly why Christmas is good is because Jesus came to people like that. Jesus didn't come for the well, he came for the sick. He didn't come for the healthy, he came for the broken. He, he didn't come for the lovely, he came for the unlovely. That's the good news of Jesus' creating and sustaining power in our lives. He's come for people like you and like me. So this morning, we're, we're gonna end our time together uh, with a song that, it's not a new song. We, we sang this song a couple years ago, but maybe you haven't sang it in a while, maybe you've forgotten it. It's built off of a, a well-known Christmas song, O Come All Ye Faithful. I love O Come All Ye Faithful. But oftentimes, if I'm honest with you, I don't feel like the faithful, I feel like the unfaithful. I feel like the one who isn't worthy, I feel like the one who shouldn't come. But what Christmas is, is Christmas is a call to the unfaithful. Christmas is a call to the broken and the weary and the heavy laden to come to Christ and he will give you rest. Christmas is an invitation to stop faking it and start experiencing real grace and freedom and forgiveness. Would you pray with me? Father, we are grateful for the creating power and the sustaining presence of Jesus in our lives. Now that Jesus is powerful enough to work where we feel like nothing can happen. He's powerful enough to work in people like us who don't have it all together, who don't have it all figured out, who, who don't have it all in order, who don't have it all in line. But God, he, none of that scares you. And so Father, I, I pray this morning that we would find great rest and great comfort in the creating and sustaining power of Jesus Christ. God, that you would keep us from trying to sustain ourselves. You would keep us from trying to, to uphold our worlds by ourselves and instead that we would trust in Christ. God, that we wouldn't try to save ourselves, but that we would trust in Christ. That we, we wouldn't try to be all that we can be, but we would try to be all that Jesus would have us to be. So that Jesus can be all that he is for us and in us. And so Father, we pray that you would work in our hearts that you would apply your word to us. Father, we, we pray this and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.